Hi, everybody, and welcome. Welcome to Kremlin File. Hey, Olga, you got your coffee? Are you ready? Yes, my espresso yes. today. More yeah, than you got coffee. espresso. Yes. Oh, dear. Okay, well, I have mine in here as well, because <laughs> that's all we have here in Italy. Anyway, <laughs> Olga, we got a fabulous, fabulous episode today. We're going to be speaking with Mr. John Foley, and he's a retired U.S. Army Lieutenant Colonel. Um, and he had, let's say, a career in the armed forces for 27 years, mm-hmm. former career intelligence officer in various theaters in Iraq, for example, also in the NORAD U.S. NORTHCOM, and also task forces in the U.S. Marine Corps and the U.S. Army. And they were relating, and this is where you know, it becomes really interesting, cyber threats, counterintelligence, and extremism, which is a huge topic, right, Olga, in this moment. Yes. And he will also be covering um, the problem we have, uh, the domestic terrorists with our militia groups in America. I mean, we've seen the threat they pose basically Mm -hmm. during the Trump years leading up to, and then uh, the role they played um, on uh, the Capitol attack on January 6th. Yep. And here yep. we will be discussing with him how Russia over the past decade took interest in these militias and mm-hmm. as well as how they have been running influence and disinformation operations on our military. And that's yep. why we saw so many, not so many, but that's why we saw military members involved in January 6th insurrection. Yep. And, yep. you know, how they cited sided with Trump over various issues over the past, you know, few years. No, it's, I mean, it's a, it's a really, I know that he's written also about this. Yes. It's a huge issue, uh, knowing that, for example, uh, amongst a lot of the people that were on uh, attacking the Capitol on January the 6th, as you said, you know, so many people who were right part of or ex-military. Yeah. And he's had experience with that. He knows what he's talking about when it's this kind of thing, extremism and how it was foment, like how it grew inside and then. And he actually watched um, it unfold inside exactly. while he was exactly. serving. And he yeah. saw his, you know, colleagues suddenly start, you know, spreading disinformation without realizing yep. that they're spreading Russian disinformation. Yeah, exactly. So without any further ado, let's welcome John to the podcast. Um, John, welcome to Kremlin File. Okay, and thank you. Thank you for bringing your insights today to us and that you're going to be speaking all about the intelligence community. And um, one thing that we wanted to start with was I, I was reading about the actual January 6th coup and about coups in general. And there are seven factors that are usually present in order for a coup to be successful. And today we're actually going to be talking about one of these aspects in a roundabout way, Uh, but it has to do with the military. As expressed in an open letter, right, from 10 former defense secretaries and then reiterated by General Milley before the November 2020 presidential election, The military is supposed to be apolitical. Uh, They're not beholden to just the president itself, but to the Constitution. Okay, I mean, this is what 
this is, yes. right? Our democratic, okay? Uh, system. And, and it's just not in the States. It's wherever there is a democratic, okay, constitution. But there are some disturbing signs. This is what we're going to be talking about today. And how Russia wields its influence, okay, uh, in foreign militaries. So no longer in its own territory, but outside of Russia. This is what we're going to get into. Now, I don't want to jump ahead. You know, Olga and I wanted to sort of step back just a bit. And we'd like to begin our discussion with Yugoslavia. What lessons did Putin learn with the breakup of Yugoslavia? And how is it relevant to what is happening today, let's say in terms of tactics and other issues that are connected to that? John? Great question, Mo. And what's fascinating about Yugoslavia is that the U.S. military spent most of the 1990s dealing with Bosnia, Kosovo. We had the war with Serbia. And largely, the American military did a big, what we call in the Army, a brain dump, and they moved on to the next mission, um, mm. especially after September 11th. And a lot of our important lessons from there were, were forgotten. Um, but the the Russians did not forget it. Yugoslavia was organized not as a big military. They had a very good military, but it was broken down into most soldiers were um, territorial defense um, mm. units. Or, um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But, and what they did is that everyone had their weapon at home. So you, me, if we were all Yugoslavians, we'd all have our assault rifle mm-hmm. at home our stock of ammo, and then when called up, we mm-hmm. would be a people's militia, and we'd come out and we'd defend the country. Well, as the ethnic tension started rip- and ripping apart the country, everyone grabbed their weapon, and now it's like, wow. oh, you're, you're a different group, so now everyone's fighting because the weapons were there. So the wow. amount of weapons just helped right. fuel and ignite the breakup of Yugoslavia and the violence. So... And that, you know, and then another key part of the breakup is the fundamental, and I'm going to kind of circle around to this topic in my other responses, and that is a rejection of federalism. The mm-hmm. Yugoslavia broke up because the Serbians and some of the, the more militant factions did not want federalism. They wanted their regional, ethnic, areas. So that, that that's what I talked about when I wrote about Yugoslavia in my one article. Interesting. Very interesting. Yeah. So the proliferation of arms, right, into smaller units. This is this was you no know, fundamental breaking up anti uh let's say anti federalism. This was also a key factor. Okay. Yes. And then there were also divides within the nation. Yes. Along mm-hmm. ethnic lines, religious lines. I mean, we know, right? We we followed, yeah. right? That whole thing. Yeah, yeah. So let's move on. Olga, you have another question as well, right? Yes. So I came across your work years ago. And you had written an amazing article in Euromaidan Press, which honestly, I was like, wow, somebody actually put focus to it. And it was on Russia's role with uh, when it came to American militias and um, 
particularly three presenters and oath keepers who we see are now under indictment for their role in the Capitol attack. The Russian tie into these groups, it's classic subversion um, because these are already disaffected folks that with a little bit of Russian nudging with information operations just really mm. help to you know, it's like an ember that's in a fire and you just blow on it and it glows and glows and then it like explodes into a flame. But mm-hmm. the issue with these two groups, Oath Keepers and Three Percenters, is that they formulate from two basic things. One is the you see the folks at, at the Capitol with their don't, yellow don't tread on me flags. Right. Those are affiliated mm-hmm. with the Tea Party movement that came in the mm-hmm. early you know, 2000s. Mm-hmm. And they're a very interesting bunch for people to research. And I highly recommend people dive into that. But they um, they come out of a radical libertarianism. And it, mm-hmm. and it really came out of out here in the West, you know, places like um, Idaho, Nevada, you get the Clavin Bundy kind of guys. Mm-hmm. And some of it even goes back to the 1990s. But the real trigger event was the election of President Obama. And they just, their their collective heads exploded. And so you had within a month of him being elected, both the Oath Keepers organized and the Three Percenters organized. And they are a militia movement. And their justification was that the president is going to take our guns away. Now, Russia had nothing to do with these groups springing up, but what they saw is a target-rich environment, and it was it was perfect for them because they could spread their spread their message. Things like the tough guy image Putin likes to put off, right. and then you got like, and they would often compare him to Obama, and then like tough guy Putin, and you'd you know, and they really like authority figures and Putin fit right in there. And then it gets into the issue of they too reject federalism. Remember Yugoslavia, Mm -hmm. these folks are Mm -hmm. all about Mm -hmm. rejecting the federal government, even though many of them work for the federal government, which is kind of a really interesting situation, but they're all about states' rights fundamentally about states rights now the other important part of which i've written at length about is how much they're opposed to black lives matter or any social justice issue related to people of color they will come out and oppose they're also extremely extremely anti-islam and anti-muslim yeah okay and you know going back to another issue is that they have made it their point to be the the defenders of Confederate monuments. Remember when the monuments started coming down? Mm, the whole mon- these oh, groups yeah. all started going, grabbing their guns, and surrounding yep. them to protect Confederate memorials. Yep, yep. Yep, and yep. and it's very disturbing with that adage. But and then the other disturbing thing is that they actively recruit among police forces mm-hmm. and military forces, whether it's active guard and reserve. And which is, again, subversion 101. I mean, this is simple subversion tactics. But I want to just close out with this question is that I like my definition of what I term these groups is I put them in a class 
application of, I call them neo-Confederates, um, mm-hmm. because they mm-hmm. fall in line with sort of a ideology that is propping up a Confederate States of America 2.0. Right. So. And John, how do they, how do they transmit, let's say, uh, or broadcast or diffuse their messages? Okay. Like how does Russia get the messages into, okay. And into, um, let's say the, the press that these guys read onto social media, what, what, what kind of themes do they deal with? What, how was it done? Like gun forms. Gun forms is a huge one. I mean, I'm a big gun owner and and I follow a lot of this and I'll see a lot of the propaganda formulating on there and they put it out. And when you look at a, a site like Veterans Today or RT, these, the nefarious news sites will go out and put the information out there. And then it, it's a couple of steps removed from the original Russian source. They're uh-huh. probably starting around 2012 is mm-hmm. when I started seeing this myself working at my desk, working intelligence work and having people who are in the intelligence community who are working stuff about Russia, who then at home on your time off, you're getting shared from them on Facebook, a message about, you know, isn't Putin cool? Look at the famous, remember the famous meme, Putin versus Obama, and it, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. showed Obama wearing a bike helmet, and then it shows, you know, yeah. or, no, Obama, the bike helmet, and Putin doing something macho, I forget, I have it around here somewhere, but, yeah. so yeah, all sorts of ways that they can just disseminate it. Um, most of it, most social media um, things have been better, but there's still just regular websites now. A There's lot. still a lot out there. Yeah. And to touch on veterans today, even according to our State Department report, they're affiliated while well, they were merged with, um, forgot the name of the outlet, which is the front for Russian intelligence. And to add to veterans today, the, I think, most scary part besides them, you know, brainwashing veterans is that they collect, they offer assistance in finding jobs, which Mm -hmm. again, now Russia is able to collect your address, your phone number, and, and pretty much, you know, and kind of get information on you. And that's being fed right back. And I I had raised this issue back in, I want to say 2016. Wow. At Fort Carson. And Eventually, I think it was by 2017, DOD through their computer networks had made it an unavailable site to get to from a a work site within a DOD domain. But (laughs) it was, you know, the damage was already done. People like putting their resumes out there on, you know, this job posting site. And it's very scary how they can get their Mm -hmm. claws into you. So... And to touch on Obama, um, I can tell you from the Russian side, I remember the minute they saw, you know, division happening at, right after election because, you know, you had like the, this first time in American history, well, not American history, in current history, uh, American history, where you had this immediate divisiveness. And I can say that on the Russian side, they immediately saw that and they actually sent a few Russians to start, you know, kind of getting closer to 
military, like uh, militia groups to NRA to um, uh, church groups, you know, religious yep. groups. And that's when you see them really, really, really zoning, especially, I mean, they had invaded Georgia right prior to um, Obama being, you know, uh, Obama uh, being inaugurated. And they saw there was no response and they kind of felt even bolder. And then they see this divisiveness, you know, taking shape. And it was actually very strong because I remember they were burning like effigies of yeah. Obama. And here they were immediately were like, oh, let's send our advisors <laughs> over. <laughs> let's see how we can help, basically. And you see the target towards which led to Trump actually start taking shape in 2009. Mm -hmm. Right after the election. Yes. And that's when you see the Russians really putting their focus on United States and, and, you know, causing this major division on everything, whether it's gun rights, abortion, um, you know, within military, everything, anything that they could find where they saw, you know, um, they would uh, kind of, they grabbed onto it. Well, and then after that, they start wheeling all these people to Russia, like, oh, here, come, come, we'll pay for a trip. Yeah, and, and they, and you know, and that's why, you know, my comment about it being a target-rich environment, because they saw all these groups. Mm -hmm. One that I, I really want to talk about, because the, the Russians are good at tapping into the um, conspiracy theory side of stuff, which, you know, mm -hmm. we can get into, but. We have to discuss the whole George Soros thing because it's fundamental to the discussion of disinformation. And that is, okay, so George Soros, the billionaire from, was it Hungary or something? But he mm -hmm. runs these pro-democracy foundations. Now, there's a fascinating book out there that people should read. This was published by the Chinese. It was written in 1999, wow. and it was called Unrestricted Warfare. Mm -hmm. And it was basically an examination mm -hmm. of how the United States waged war, um, and they, they focus on information warfare in there. But of all the stuff they analyzed, the number one threat they determined to Chinese was not like our missiles, not our aircraft carriers, not our army, not our Navy. Not our, it was George Soros. They call him out by name and his oh, pro-democracy, and they've always had authoritarian government authoritarian governments who are trying to keep the lid on a massive population hmm. and so yeah. ideas mm -hmm. like democracy are extremely that's dangerous. the most dangerous idea just look at hong kong by the early 2000s the russians picked it up and you can go online and putin despises george soros and the, oh, the information warfare messaging that has gone out has been George Soros is this evil guy. So you got the two most mm -hmm. authoritarian governments in the world complaining about George Soros, and they have fed this to these people in America who view George Soros as some sort of, you know, I mean, they call him a Nazi. The all Antichrist. These, yeah, all this stuff. And they're it's basically the doing the work of Russian intelligence by, like, yeah. Because this, what does this do? This impacts things like Navalny and other pro-democracy activists. And this is why you've had this sapping of support for pro-democracy activists worldwide, because 
you have a, a, a significant segment of the U.S. population who is bought into this lie. Um, forget the, you know, yeah. stop the steal and mass stuff and Corona. It, the, the nugget of information is this whole thing with Soros. Now, I'm not trying to, you know, I, I don't know the guy. You know, I don't follow his, you know, organization yeah. that well. But I know when the People's Liberation Army makes it a yeah. point to single a certain guy out, then yeah. hmm, we need to kind of take a we look at this. We need to pay attention to what, yeah, exactly. So, and yeah. that's... Yeah, and it was, it was also a means to, to because he was funding, you know, and uh, helping democracies yeah. flourish. That is, you know, in the intelligence world, we look at indicators. And I could be in a crowd and be talking to... I could be at a kid's soccer match and... You know, and just that you could ask the question, what do you think of George Soros? You automatically have down the path and you can start getting indicators. You know, it's sort of like asking, you know, a Muslim yeah. how they feel about, you know, bin Laden or something. And it's, you know, it, it's a key indicator of some very disturbed people and how they, oh. that they, they don't value democratic principles. Yep. Definitely. A hundred percent. Scary. <laughs> Very scary. <laughs> we need to fight back. I wish uh, like our governments, both in Europe and U.S. actually, you know, realize, because I don't think they realize like, you know, um, that Russia is like hijacking people's minds. You yeah. know, I mean, they, with everything that they do, the biggest thing is them hijacking their minds and even during like last election you know like I have a, a, a son and he would come to me and he's younger and he's on TikTok and he comes to me and asks me all these disturbing questions about Biden like is he a pedophile is this yeah. happening is that and I'm like where are you hearing oh, this yeah. shit and he's like oh it's on TikTok and I'm like I can't believe it like they're targeting our yeah. children um, in in general, right? Even this veterans group that you've just mentioned, there's so many of them. Um, what do you think the overall objective is in targeting the military specifically? Well, that is, um, I love this question because it, I break it down into the reason they're targeting it is it kind of falls into two categories, internal and external, mm. meaning the U.S. military at home, and then the U.S. military, like what kind of missions it does. Hmm. And it's interesting because when you get into the people who've been in the military a long time or have studied the history of like the Army going back, they might understand some aspects of our society and our military. But because the military is held up as this example of, you know, like some of the first to integrate, you know, African-Americans mm -hmm. and yeah. break the color barrier and stuff. Mm -hmm. But the Russians recognize this racial tension. They always have, even going mm. back to um, Soviet days, they would try and do propaganda to stir that pot. And they understand that these groups, which a lot of people consider them white supremacist groups, um, they are, as I've talked about, extremely anti-Black Lives Matter. Matter of fact, if you ever want to get a crowd of, 3% or Oath Keepers or any of the militia groups just organize a large-scale 
Black Lives Matter protests, and, and they will show the up. They'll come out of the woodwork. That that happens here in Colorado quite frequently. And yeah. Russia yes. does that. Russia will on Facebook schedule sure. yes, yeah, yeah, in order to yeah. cause. <laughs> but yep. So the issue is is trying to like dry, you know, cause trouble there racially within our armed forces because it's something that if if you keep at it, you can get a little bit of traction. Then there's the issue of like the anti-vaxxers. Matter of fact, mm. yesterday there was a story run by Colorado Public Radio. They went down to Fort Carson, actually just off post, were visiting some restaurants and coffee shops. And there's a very big issue of soldiers not wanting to be vaccinated. Now, really? we know Russia has been very much in the spreading the anti-vax propaganda. Yeah. But this, they were behind but this gets into issues like military readiness because people think of the U.S. military as being like all our weapons and stuff. One of our greatest weapons we have that people don't think about is our fantastic medical support. And then, you know, I look at the external part of what they might be doing. And this this might sound a little odd, but because these groups are very anti-Muslim, they are also mm-hmm. the first ones to talk about really uh, – well, at their root, they want the U.S. to stay fighting in the Middle East. This is something hmm. Russia is very attuned to. Russia itself wants America in the, to stay in the Middle East fighting because there's an issue within the military, and that is there, there's what we call – coin operations, you know, counterinsurgency, like we did in Iraq and Afghanistan. And then there's this thing called Mm -hmm. near-peer doctrine. Near-peer is the ability to Mm -hmm. fight large-scale warfare with conventional forces with like Russia, China. Mm -hmm. Those are who America's military considers near-peers. Well, the Army is known, and, and I've talked to officers when we'd be sitting in Iraq talking about we've been here for like nine years and our army's degraded into, you know, these coin missions because the army, for example, has a very tough time doing coin and then saying, Oh, by the way, you've been in Iraq all this time. Now you got to go fight the Russians. There are two total opposite missions Hmm. and there's a very Hmm. degradating point of it that it puts on the forces. So while we were focused for uh, strictly on, terrorism and the Middle East, I mean, they were pretty much like infiltrating every country, plotting attacks, beginning attacks, testing everything on their neighbors and on and on and on. Yeah. John, I have a question for you. So, um, you know, there was an article, very good article um, by Washington Post recently about Russia sending uh, uh, Russia um, bringing German militia. Because militia, you know, people in America think that it's only solely with us, but Russia is propping them up across all of Europe, too. So um, they were bringing German uh, militia to Russia for training. Um, And those training camps are ineffectively run by GRU, Mm -hmm. Russia's intelligence services, which is connected to Ministry of Defense to their defense department. Have you seen any signs of them doing the same with Americans, like bringing American militia members over? You know, I saw that article and it's a really great article because it really, I looked at it from a, I have my own take on it. I mean, obviously Europeans don't have the vast access to weapons like in America. There's no reason whatsoever Mm -hmm. for the most part for 
militia from America to come to the to Russia and train. Yeah. But there is this interesting aspect that you kind of are getting after, and that is if the the benefit for the Russians for the American audience is the propaganda effect. And it, it mm-hmm. reminds me of this great um Russian so what they do in it Ukraine. was this great Russian information op. They put it out on the um the gun blogs that I follow. And it was this mm-hmm. um picture of some Russian high school students who are getting military training because you know how Putin kind of brought back this like young pioneers attitude. And so these high school students are learning how to disassemble and reassemble a AK forty seven. Actually, I think it was a AK seventy four, but <laughs> Which was done in uh, Russian schools. Yeah. So schools. Th- the kids are doing this <laughs> and it's filmed and it was shared. It With was shared to a U.S. you know, gun blog. Nothing wrong with that. I like watching this stuff. Um, I-, I watch a lot of mm-hmm. Russian um, YouTube stuff. And mm-hmm. what was interesting is that um, the comments that got picked up by the American audience and it became, look at what they're doing in Russia. Our in America, what are we doing? And it basically became this, this, because this was a few years ago, it was a discussion about, see, they're learning how to handle weapons, where in our curriculum, kids are learning common core, which sucks, and all this kind of stuff. And it became this Mm -hmm. argument attacking our education system, which is really quite amazing, because you know, going back to subversive Mm -hmm. techniques, Mm -hmm. The common way to subvert a society is going after, you know, what did the VC and, you know, Vietnam do? They they took over schools, you know, they got involved in that stuff. If teachers didn't cooperate, they got assassinated if they weren't going to. Yeah. And so the same thing goes yeah. in this mentality. It's like they're attacking the school system. And we see this today. Matter of fact, here in Colorado yeah. or across the country, there are like three percenters showing up at these school board meetings complaining about the the masks masks. yeah they do they do it here in colorado there's militia guys who show up at the meetings um i haven't seen any bring their guns but they're there because people have reported in michigan they wanted to kidnap uh the governor and execute her on live tv nonetheless (laughs) so yeah yeah they're going to a micro level john right they're 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 starting right at the grassroots if you think about it yeah, right? because it, it, it really gets meeting. I mean, you're not going to let's say, uh, okay, the, okay, the governor thing, fine, but yeah, like a right to bear arms. <laughs> yeah, and, exactly. and Olga had Olga had a great like point really, with the really, Michigan. Had a great sir because your point is, you know, yeah, grassroots roots level, getting in the community. Where do you go? School board meeting. Exactly. The Michigan stuff. Not even the governor um, kidnapping plot, but just the. Um, the armed protest about showing up with your guns to protest. And this is something that people really don't understand. It was the prelude to the Capitol attack. The prelude to the Capitol attack. But showing up to protest with a gun, people really don't grasp the concept that's going on here. Because, matter of fact, I have one of my old intelligence school manuals on um, – when you learn it, when you're taught in the intelligence, you know, service about terrorism. And let me let me read this definition here because it, it makes a perfect point. And this is out of Army Regulation 
525-13 defines terrorism as the calculated use of force or the threat of violence to inculcate fear intended to coerce or even to intimidate government societies in the pursuit of goals that are generally mm-hmm. political, religious, or ideological. And the key yeah. phrase all there is intimidate. They are doing things to intimidate. So when you are doing an armed action designed to intimidate a state legislature at the state at capital. the state capital, yeah. that is yeah. a form of terrorism. That people miss this whole point because what are the key as like there's three key aspects to getting insurgency going. One is access to weapons. America has mm. like 300 mm-hmm. million plus weapons, access to financing, mm. and then you have Contract. access to recruitment. The Russians yes. help them recruit through their social media. Financing oh is God, a little yes. bit, you mm-hmm. know, tougher. But, you know, when you look at how some of these groups raise money, it's something that I would ask the Department of Justice to look at these groups. Like, how are they getting money? One thing, John, that you mentioned, okay, that I read from what was something that you wrote, was that they're buying Russian ammunition. Can you yes. tell us about that? Because I was in shock when I read that. I said, what the hell are these people doing? Well, they're buying Russian ammunition? So the fact that, you know, but you go on gun sites and you're like shopping for ammunition and the cheapest ammo out there is Russian. Wow. They also massively export. AR-15 ammo, which the Russians have never used AR-15s. And so why would hmm. our adversary be pumping millions of rounds of ammunition into the American market? Because they know who buys the majority of assault weapon ammo. It's going to be gun enthusiasts who have these weapons. But it's you're also going to get the militia groups, and they're going to be stockpiling this. You know, I mean, I know people who stockpile assault weapons ammunition. So it's it's kind of a no brainer. <laughs> no, I just but, find this so bloody absurd. But the it's thing like is, Americans though, is that are going to kill each other with um, Russian bullets, you know, like you guys are, are basically yeah. giving them the way to do it. It's incredible. And, to and me. what's amazing it for years, I've been an um, advocate to, to ban them, even though I yeah. would like to have. Russian ammo. I see the bigger picture and the danger. And so I hope wow. through my activism, I've had a, some little bit of, you know, help in getting this Biden ban through. Um, I don't know, maybe, maybe not, but um, I already got people online. And, and getting to your point, they send honeypot uh, Butina yeah, uh, exactly. targets, um, NRA. Yeah. And I mean, Russia is so concerned about our Second Amendment rights. I mean, meanwhile, go to Russia and try to have this arsenal of weapons for. Well, that's a, that's a that's great point yeah. because there, there's, you know, discussions back. There, but they they're worried about oh, us. There would be means like in the yourselves. gun community first with COVID and then with a Russian bullet. Sorry, guys, but you know, yeah, I mean, come on. And for people who don't know, uh, Butina before coming to U.S. Um, uh, she was recruited out of Siberia. Um, she actually started with the gun rights movement, uh, which were pro-Russian militia inside of Ukraine. 
and, and then, then her next operation was in the and States. that was like probably around 2000 i think 11 10 11 12 and then her next operation was to come to us right, right. of course yeah. um getting to the capital attack so i mean for anyone who was shocked on what happened on um january 6th clearly was in a coma the past 5 years um, they try to run uh, Kamala Harris's bus off yeah, the road. I and I mean, that. I'm looking at that yeah. scene and I'm like, are we like in the Middle East? I mean, because you no. don't see, you know, armed militia groups surrounding, you know, a bus and try, especially like if it, and I, I like, you know, a campaign person and trying to run it off. I mean, these clearly were in certain, you know, terrorist tactics. And then you kind of fast forward to... The Capitol attack, and then you saw Putin coming out. And, you know, these are political, like, freedom fighters. And meanwhile, like, can you imagine people in Russia can't even step outside to say free Navalny without being beaten and, and jailed? And here he's, like, you know, very excited about what happened with the Capitol. I'm like, yeah, let's see that happening in the Kremlin. You know, they'll shoot those people dead in, like, a minute. Um so what did you see any role of Russia like you know what role did Russia play into that Well because clearly there are several things that led Russia Well I look uh, at led, this from like resulted in the capital um, I have a, a different take yours is actually a great take too but the lenses I'm looking at this because I've been following the kind of conspiratorial mindset of mm -hmm. these conspiracy groups the conspiracy theory stuff that led to this, it set the conditions for what has come now. And it went all through the 90s into the 2000s. And it's what we call second and third order effects. Russia mm -hmm. knows that there's a sediment out there and they people feel a certain way and they keep, you know, aggravating it and pushing them and pushing them. Yeah. And so, like, in the 90s, remember what happened? We had, like, Oklahoma City bombing. That yeah. was the biggest domestic terrorist attack occurred in yeah. our history. And that yeah. was um, the same sort of mentality. And people can exploit it. And so then you get these folks who want to do the kidnap the governor. They've been subject to this propaganda by the three percenters and the Oath Keepers and other groups. And it, at that point, now we start hitting the terrorism and intimidation level of stuff. And then, you know, you get like, stop the steal people. Matter of fact, on January 6th, that rally, that was supposed to be followed days later with rallies at all state capitals. Matter of fact, there was a bunch mm -hmm. of militia groups from here locally that were planning to go. And then after the 6th, and the seventh, they put out word like, oh, no, the FBI is going to be there and arrest us all. Um, so yeah. <laughs> there was a certain fear factor oh, so, on their part. So what happened you actually know, yeah, didn't deter them. Thank they God. were just afraid no, no, somebody yeah. was going to come and actually yeah. ID them. Okay. But, you know, so you have these, um, you know, they've now moved on to the, like I said, the school board issue, the mask issue. They are, they are continuing and the Russians keep pushing, you know, the anti-vaccine yeah. message. People are eating yeah. it up. And so. They'll get into paying. climate change because I think that's going to be yeah. the next. Oh, yeah. Right. They're paying influencers yeah. 
to push Russian propaganda. There was an excellent BBC report um, where they spoke with a few influencers yeah. who showed them emails, yeah. and there was a company that was the front floor yeah. that went back to a Russian individual, and they were paying them like I forgot how many euros. Yeah. It wasn't you yeah, know, yeah. it wasn't pennies to sit online on YouTube and promote anti-vaccine stuff. Yeah, yeah it's exactly, exactly. So. Actually, on the sixth, there were a lot, a lot of. And wait, oh, go, I, I go just ahead, love. wanted to add one thing. Deep state goes back to like, well, yeah, no, so I mean, you know, yeah, because I, I um, remember I had to interview Kalugan, who used to be head of uh, counterintelligence for KGB, and he said he was putting in deep state, and because he operated on U.S. soil in the sixties and seventies, he said he was putting um deep state things, conspiracies in local papers, um, and. Back then, if I'm not mistaken, doesn't JFK with uh, Martin Luther King? Yeah. yeah. So they yeah. kind of have been putting this yeah. deep state forever. Mm. And when Trump interestingly came up with deep state, I was like, interesting. I mean, also, I have a question about the sixth and to do with a lot of the military that were present. Okay, uh, there were. I I can't remember. I read about it. Um, the certain percentage of people who were actually participating that were either ex-military, um, some were actually still in the ranks, so on mm -hmm. and so forth. We know about General Flynn, for example, that yeah. was out there, okay, uh, getting everybody riled up, all right? And we, and, I mean, this is now being investigated. Calling, now he's calling for all of our executions. Yes, exactly. So I mean, we know job. that he's, you know, I mean, he's he's uh, he's a real character. I mean, this is, character is not the word. Um, first of all, what do you do with someone who's been in national security in his position? Should he not be, uh, what do you do in the military? You take away... Uh, their ranks? What do you do? I mean, is, is this allowed? I mean, there's, there's Speaking talk. Speaking from a European, of, uh, you got a military guy who's out there, you know. We have to take actions. We got to, you know, go yeah. after these folks. And what, some of the stuff I talked about was first identifying them. You have to identify everybody. Yeah. And the government has capability to do that. I'm still kind of amazed that the FBI tip line on Twitter is still like, trying to identify pictures when there's software that does that i know it's like yeah. to me that's kind of a joke and then identifying them and then using them to find the hardcore dangerous folks that's what's really important yeah because okay. some people have a certain you know yeah they want their gun rights you know maybe they don't like you know certain political agendas by the powers that be but they have they haven't gone over full scale under the other side. They're not ready to start blowing up buildings and kidnapping governors and doing acts of terrorism. And that's what we want to get. We, the key to these things is dealing with it and not ignoring it. And yep. these folks are not going away. They're actually becoming more organized. They are more organized in my town than they were a year ago. Um, so wow. it's, it's got worse. Yeah. So it's, yeah. it's right. It's developed into something even so, worse. Wow. So. And going back to like the incident with Michigan and with Texas, them trying to run off, you know, the campaign bus, what steps can be taken like with these militia? People? Well, that Same was identified. That was a crime, I think. I mean, this is where I, I expect. I mean, 
I think I read somewhere that it was um, U- Ulysses S. Grant when he was president. He was the one who created the Department of Justice, and it was to fight the resurgent Confederates in the South resisting the imp- implementation of the Reconstruction policies post Civil War. So you get the rise, of, and it wasn't mm-hmm. just the Klan. The Klan, you had like um, these other militia groups made up of former Confederates, like there was the Red Shirts, um, drawing a blank, but there was different groups. Everyone thinks it's a Klan. There there was Mm -hmm. various militias out there. And the U.S. government was waging a counterinsurgency where they brought in the army and they were defending, you know, the black citizens, the right to vote and stuff, Um, houses of government. I mean, there were like battles fought down south. And massacres going on. And it was going until Grant left office and the powers that be politically changed. And the North finally like, you know, hey, we're just going to let things go. And and they pulled troops out and let the segregationists take over the South. And they stayed there until the 60s. So, um, and, and that's the kind of thing we have to think about is can we use the department of justice more effectively? Like I want to know what they're doing Um, and and get, getting into the topic of, I think where you want to go with the military is like, there's things like um, updating all the regulations that cover these groups, because right now the three percenters and oath keepers do not qualify because they say they're constitutional second amendment groups, even though they're anti-Islamic and they're, anti-african-american they they say they allow membership of african-americans and i think there's some token members but it's it's really you know a cover and then there's things like like army counterintelligence army counterintelligence who would look for russian agents why are they not diving into this well i'll tell you because i i have known army counterintelligence people who are very supportive of these militias. So I can't expect them to police it. Um, but that needs a change. Like the department of justice needs to be talking to police departments that have ties to militia groups. Like my own town here, the police department has very close ties to some of these militia groups, which is extremely disturbing. Right. There was a case back um, last year on June 6th where there was a big Black Lives Matter rally. Mm-hmm. And the um, there's a militia group in town locally. They came with about maybe, I don't know, I, I saw different counts, but maybe up to 30 folks, fully armed, body armor. They The police watched and let them set up a sniper overwatch position where... The lady I know who is a reverend, you know, African-American reverend was giving a speech and you got this sniper overwatching their position. And it was in the Colorado Springs paper. I mean, the independent ran. My. Um, maybe I might send you some link. Isn't that something Department of Justice can get in? That's my with? question. Like why? But Are you allowing. They let these folks do this. Matter of fact, some of these militia groups have gone on patrol. There was a case over the summer where they were in vehicles patrolling the streets looking for Antifa. And they pulled into a Lowe's parking lot. And a, this lady called the police on them. 
And the police came like, oh, no, it's these guys. And it's the Department of Justice needs to be dealing with this. I mean, and our political leaders need to, like, say, no, enough is enough because people are going to start getting hurt. People are going to start dying. You're going to have a rally. You know, the Antifa folks in town show up and they have rocks and spray paint cans. The militia shows up. Oh, by the way, the Antifa folks is usually two guys with a, a broomstick and a red flag on it. And then you got a whole platoon of, you know, three percenters showing up. And with a whole cave, yeah. military yeah, facility exactly. behind them. <laughs> so this brings us to the end, right, of our, of yes. our discussion. <laughs> but we hope, John, that we're going to be able to talk to you again. John, um, where can our viewers uh, find you? Yes. Find your work. Um, I think you've seen me on Twitter. Um, it was Foley for Colorado um, because I. Okay, so Foley, F-O-L-E-Y, the number four, Colorado. Colorado. And then on my blog, my blog is actually called Third Wave Politics. So everybody, subscribe, subscribe. Hey everybody, if you enjoyed this podcast, don't forget to subscribe and please visit our website, kremlinfile.com. This is season one, Kremlin File, hosted by Olga Lautman and me, Monique Camara. This is a Bunker Crew Media production with executive producers Marley Clements, Jack Bryan, Grant DeSimone, Ben, Brett, and Jordy Mycellus of Midas Media with associate producers Ruby Frankel and Sarah Metz. Theme music by Oreste Camarra. Sound editing and mixing by Joy Ellett. Subscribe to Kremlin File wherever you listen to podcasts. I think I'm your most loyal listener, so... when you tweeted about the podcast that 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 we like i know your account forever and i'm like oh my god this is him (laughs) i'm blonde Uh, (laughs) some things take time to click (laughs) 